It's the A Show. It's an anti-AstraZeneca show for December 2nd, 2020. How goes it, everybody? Oh, man. You know, it's like, why, why did I get so motherfucking AstraZeneca over here? Well, you cost me fucking money. Although, you know, getting into the vaccine investment game is so late at this point. I feel like... But, um, you know, if you don't know, well, I guess we haven't talked about the COVID in a while. So we're in the wave three. After I bitched about the whole, you know, you know, you fuck people fucked up, which is I still hold to true to this day. If you did your fucking part, you know, it, we won't be in this fucking position. I mean, it it speaks volume to you as how widespread and easily spread this virus is like even if like 99% of the people do a good job 1% fucks up it ruins it for everybody so all these motherfuckers I understand the difficulty but coming up here with the with the with the awfully awfully banal argument that they're throwing that my freedom my mask my exercising of whatever without putting into the fucking consideration like I did my part like, I put a plexiglass up on everybody, I contact trace everybody, I social distance everybody, I tell the patron to put on the fucking mask. If you did all that and then bitch about the situation, I am completely with you 100%. But don't fucking come back to me when you haven't done any of it or don't really enforce it and just take the check, take the money because it's the easiest thing to do. Then bitch about the fucking hard reality and then the harsh controlling environment we have, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in USA, Australia, UK, fucking Korea, or China. Dude, like, do the absolute everything and then tell me that you can't do it. Otherwise, fuck, man, I, I have less sympathy for you. So I'm shopping less at these fucking places that are not following the rules and then the advisory guidelines that they're supposed to fucking follow. Anyhow, AstraZeneca. Uh, AstraZeneca, you know, so Pfizer has this thing with uh, has their vaccine that's going. Uh, Moderna, you heard of them. Novavax, you heard me bitching about them many, 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 many times. Go back and listen to that episode. I saw why I want them to fucking flop. Uh, AstraZeneca is the one that, uh, Big Pharma, that's been, uh, with the, uh, University of Oxford, Oxford University, rather, in UK. Now, I said, fuck them, I, I said, <laughs> because I wanted to go with some safe harbor choices here with investing. So, I, I, I'm gonna talk about the investing in the next couple weeks, you know, because I haven't done that in a while, you know, because I, I reinitiated some of the positions I'm not gonna get into in this episode, However, so, you know, and then the AstraZeneca, it, Pfizer came out, so I'll just go, Pfizer seems seem to be ahead, great. So, it seems like any emergency authorization, them and Moderna, I felt like, you know, they're going to go at it. AstraZeneca seemed to be the next one, especially for Europe and those guys. Um, but given the efficacy, I mean, it's a phase three, you know, getting approved in eight months, that's unheard of, that usually takes three to four years, you know. But AstraZeneca's fucking way they manufacture the the vaccine for their trials, it's all over the place. You know, they said, oh, it's just as effective as 62% or be above like 90-something percent. But apparently the amount of the fucking dosage went into these fucking vaccines are all different. They go, yeah, it depends on how much you put in. If you too much, it's not as effective. You know, all that shit. I go, and then they ended up, copping out and a fucking reason they said it's manufacturing error yes yes it's plausible yeah sure 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 why not 
But if you're going to give me all these wishy-washy, mixed-ass fucking data, and then your CEO had to come out and say, we got to start the trial all over again. I mean, fuck. Fuck you. Fuck you sideways. How the fuck do you fuck this up? Fucking sakes. Jesus fucking Christ. So anyways, that's why I'm going motherfucker on AstraZeneca. Um, it's that time of the year again, folks, uh, or that time of the week. Uh, we're going to review The Bachelorette because... Uh, I'm I'm still understanding what the hell happened to two hours. As you know, you, this thing comes out every Wednesday. And The Bachelor is on every Tuesday. So I'm recording this Tuesday night. If you haven't heard this from last week, sorry. If you heard this from last week, sorry, I'm repeating it. So anyways, today's the, what, episode eight? Um, Yeah, I think this week has completely proved my point that Taisha is not all the way there when it comes to, like, the intelligence level. Now, am I, am I saying she's just too dumb, stupid? No. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I just don't think some of the guys here, like a Harvard grad Bennett or the uh, engineer Ivan and all that stuff, is that I don't think that level of intelligence really jives when it comes to deeper conversations. You know, she can't hang with guys like Ben or fucking Noah or, you know, even I'll fucking just throw out a name, Ed or some shit, you know? Like, the conversation you have are like at that level, like like that, you know, like such as. So there's that. And why do I say that? So what proved to me is that she completely is, you know, over the moons with Ben, the former addict, and then the, now the uh, rehab board member director or something. I mean, and then he has had his difficulty. He's also another previously married you know, like Taisha, I don't think I mentioned that last time. There's a few, quite a few divorcees on this fucking show, which is quite telling, I gotta be honest, uh, compared to 15, 20 years ago when this show fucking started. So, you know, and then I, and Ben last week was a one I said after the conversation with Ivan, with a blah, 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 with the BLM and then the pandemic, you know, Ben got in the fucking uh, hot tub and then start talking to Tasha and then they just jive and then but, but they absolutely didn't talk about anything. It's like I just glaze at the stars and you know it just I just fall for you. You know, some dumb shit like that. That's that that has absolutely no fucking value whatsoever. But then apparently that like Tasha can go deeper into that conversation compared to a fucking pandemic or the BLM because she'll just cry because it's just like too much. So anyways <laughs> so that happened So with with her one-on-one date experience with Ben There was a group date in between Which was like, alright, the artist Within all of you Kind of thing And then at the very end There was one more uh, one-on-one date with Ely I guess Or the, yeah Izzy Why did I say Ely? I don't know I was I was thinking of somebody else Ben Ely or something And then the one-on-one date with uh, Izzy He easy he just like he just went home because he dropped the fucking word he said i'm falling in love with you and then taisha's like well i don't think i'm there that with you and then i, I didn't know this was a thing it's been a while since i've seen bachelor bachelorettes you know because i watch it every couple of years or so i don't know that that if you don't get a rose on a one-on-one date you're basically fucking shafted and you go home i mean it makes sense because it's like if you're not gonna give it at that moment then when if that much time, the intimate time is not going to be right, then when? So I go, wow, that's a fucking shocker. I was a little surprised that the date was like, Don't, are you scared of falling in love? That's how the fucking premises was. And then they sent two black, like, black people into a fucking horror sh- house. 
haunted house. And I just go like, isn't this fucking racist to me a little bit? To me, it was a little racist. You know, I just go like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, why are you putting two black people in a haunted house? And then in an in a inadvertent way, I felt like the, I saw the true, genuine side of Tasha, which is interesting. But, you know, you premise the whole thing by saying, are you scared to fall in love? And then Easy just goes, um, I think I'm falling in love with you. I mean, to be honest, the guy was a little too excited, but the entire time I just thought, how many girlfriends has this guy had? Because I don't think he's getting hints. It's like, they're having a good time and all. Yeah, he hasn't had his opportunity to show his whatever side. But I just go like, dude, you should get the fucking vibe that like y- you pushing on is not going to be reciprocated back here. You know, it's not the Newton's third law at the moment. It's like I put in this amount of force. Oh, fuck, I dropped. You know, that's what the fuck happened. So that happened. And then the cliffhanger of this whole thing was like the Bennett, not Ben, Bennett. And then fuck Noah, Noah. Or like I don't you know, I hate both of them to be honest. Like they're getting the ticky tacky shit. You know, after Ed and Chasen from like three weeks ago or something, this is the next feud that they were brewing. And then uh yeah, the cliffhanger was all right, Bennett and uh what's his face? Noah. You guys sort it out or whatever you go home or like you don't question my integrity because basically the gist of the beef is uh Noah's uh at least Bennett way he took it is like Noah's like shit talking everybody in the house which just, like, downplays everybody else and just, like, puts Noah himself over. So Taisha feels, like, soured and then cancel one of the cocktail dates and shit because of Noah, because Noah said, oh, I don't know. I don't. I think many of these guys think that you're just doing this for your show, not for the true love. And then Taisha got mad and just, like, unplugged the whole thing for one week. And then Bennett really decided to be a people's champ over here for some fucking reason and then decided to pick a fight with a kid, you know, because Bennett is 36, Harvard grad, uh, and then uh, fucking uh, Noah's a travel nurse from Oklahoma. And then, yeah, it's condescending and shit, blah, blah, blah. And then I keep, every time I watch Bennett, I just go like, does he want a fucking trophy wife? That's what he wants. So, you know, it's like he comes disingenuous too. But then uh, Noah, I just go like, dude, I don't think there's, I don't think he's that dense either, which is why Taisha likes him. He's like, I like, like, because Taisha, the thing said, do you remember when I said uh, in the Bachelor 2016, 2017, the Ben season I had, I think I released it on the January 1st, two, you know, the beginning of this year. I said the thing that Ben always said in that season was like, don't hold back. And then the fucking thing that uh, Taisha always says is, show up, show up. I just go like, what is this fucking Under Armour? Ray Lewis, protect this house? What the fuck is this shit? You know, and then Noah shows up, I guess. Whatever that means. Like, drop your pants. You know, drop the fucking dick. I don't give a shit. You know, as long as you... that That's showing up. As long as your dick shows up. As long as a flesh of whatever shows up. You know, Taisha gives you a rose. <laughs> now I think about it. So, and then, you know, and then Bennett, you know, before the cliffhanger, decided to give him, give Noah a gift, which is really a condescending way of sending him off. It's like, it's a sayonara gift. It's a psychology psychology book about the emotional intelligence uh, mustache because Noah had a mustache until Taisha shaved it off. The mustache socks because the mustache really belongs on your ankles. And then uh, another uh, what was the what was the first gift that he got? I don't fucking remember, but I don't give a shit. Regardless, this whole angle that they were shooting, 
I just said, dude, this this has way too much wrestling vibe. If you don't believe me, the gift is like Bennett is completely coming off like Chris Jericho or Maxwell Jacob Freeman, uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, MJF, just going like, no, 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 I'm better than you, and you know it. You know all that shit is like he's a complete heel, just healing on him, and then it's like, it's like, why is he being such a douche? You know, why is he being such a douche? It's a gift, man, but it's really a life lesson. And then blah, 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 I left here on a cliffhanger, and then Natasha lets one of them go. I think the way they made this way too obvious is uh, Bennett goes home next week, but let's see. But I just go like when Taisha finally walked in after Bennett just like chastised, uh, what's his face, Noah. And then uh, Noah didn't really respond back with anything. It was, just, And then Taisha walked in and be like, all right, so you guys spill your beans. And then Noah just said, well, blah, blah, blah. He's saying I'm immature and then uh, I'll never end up with you, blah, blah, blah. And then the Bennett just goes, no, I'm, I said you have 0% chance. Landing with her, not 100% chance you're not going to go home with her. Blah, blah, whatever that shit. He's being tiki-tacky fucking semantics at that point. And then Taisha just, like, told off uh, Bennett. I don't know if it's the editing. He's like, I don't know why you're questioning my integrity. I just go like, no, no, no. Bennett was shit-talking Noah. Uh, but I don't know how that means. It's, like, questioning her integrity because Bennett's beef was completely with Noah, the immature asshole who's just showing up to him. So I just go, all right, it, this is stupid, but I guess Bennett's going to go home next week. So that's my recap. Uh, my stance really doesn't change. I just go, mm. do I have a front runner in this race? No, not really. I just know that the smartest people in this house, smartest men, like by cred, academically, professionally, yo, like y- you're not going to get with Tisha. Even the most street smart one, I don't think they're going to last cuz I think they'll get bored. So you need a little bit of a dumb one. You need a little bit of a little bit of a fucking black swan. Everybody's a everybody has a fucking problem. So like there are whole many people who had a failed first marriage. There's a drug addict. Oh my god, we found out today that uh, uh one of them had a fucking eating disorder that we didn't know about. I forgot which one it was. Was that right? I don't fucking remember. They all look the same to me. You know, regardless, white or black people on this show at this point. So, other than Bennett, because Bennett's way too fucking old. <laughs> you know, they all have like, all, all the all, all these bunch of betas, all these fucking simps, you know? I just go, <laughs> but BK, you should have had your struggles too. It was like, at least I admit it, you know? These people, I just go like, whatever, man. Like, you cannot be too perfect of a bachelor. You cannot be too perfect of a bachelorette. One of you has got got to have a drama. Otherwise, it's like it's gonna be boring. Like how are you how are you gonna milk out story like of two hours out of these people? Poor sacks of poor simps and poor fucking simps. You know, fucking fuck. But anyways, that's a bye bye bachelor recap. The main thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, with that is uh, holy crap, I spent more time than I thought. Is the, uh, well, with the, uh, at least here in Michigan, uh, people are celebrating the Detroit Lions that, that they finally fired the general manager, Bob Quinn, and the head coach, Matt Patricia. I talked about Matt Patricia before where I said, shove it, shove the fucking pencil that he puts on his ear and shove it up his fat ass so he's not Bill Belichick. And, and then the more trope is going around, the usual argument, talking points from the sports media. The mainstream media, MSM, uh, over there is that, uh, you know, Belichick's disciples never succeed, never succeed. They all fail. What's up with that? I got to tell you that uh, after 17 years, I I cannot believe people are still trying to hire out of the Patriots 
over and over and over again. And it's not just the head coaches, folks, because they're hiring like director of player personnel, you know, the scouting director or some shit. And I just go like, none of them ever fucking worked out. So you want me to go down the fucking name? I'll start right here with the coaches, you know, in whatever order. Matt Patricia, he was a defensive coordinator. Romeo Cornell, he was a defensive coordinator. And Romeo Cornell was a head coach for the Houston Texans. He got fired. Charlie Weiss, he was an offensive coordinator while Romeo Cornell was a defensive coordinator. Charlie Weiss, got awful. He got fired at the University of Notre Dame. And then uh, he was, you know, he tried to be the genius at Kansas. Didn't work out. So, Matt Patricia, Romeo Cornell, Charlie Weiss, uh, who else, who else? Josh McDaniels, he crawled back into fucking New England. Uh, Eric Mangini, he coached the Browns and the Jets. He's the one that fucking snitched on the Spygate. Uh, you could say Jim Schwartz, who also coached the Lions. Uh, who else is out there? I don't have a list in front of me, but... Oh, uh, Brian Flores was in Miami. You know, time will tell, but he didn't get off to a good start with Kenny Stills. Uh, the other guy is a Joe Judge. Was it John Judge, the guy who's fucking managing the Giants? I mean, he was a fucking special teams coordinator. Jesus Christ. And then uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who else, but there were a whole bunch that got fired. Oh, Bill O'Brien. He got fired this year from the Texans. Um, you know, that's, that's almost 10 just out of the head coaches. Uh, director of the, 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 in the front office, outside the sidelines, um, you had the most famous one is Scott Pioli, who was, for some fucking reason, the executive of the decade, if I remember right, from the Sports Illustrated in 2009, 2010. He, and he got a job as a Chiefs uh, general manager after he was a director of per- player personnel, you know, during the initial Belichick uh, dynasty era. He fucking soured fast. And then uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas Dimitrioff, you know, the one, the guy uh, who, who was the general manager until this year in the Atlanta Falcons, he was in the Patriots system. I mean, he, his, his run wasn't as bad, I'll be honest, compared to Scott Pioli or something. But, you know, he, he never got to that level. He never beat the Patriots. You know, whatever you want to say about the Falcons blowing it in 2016, I just go... You know, he it was never the robust roster, I'll say, over the last 10 years, especially after Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. You know, they try to patch it the last four years. The other guy was Bob Quinn, you know, who got fired on the fucking Lions along with Matt Patricia. And only people, only if you want to call them disciples that I say it has worked out out of the New England system are the former players who are the head coaches. There are two in the NFL. You've been wondering, Jesus, who the fuck, BK? Uh, one is Mike Vrabel on the Tennessee Titans, who was a linebacker for Belichick, and then a linebacker coach, if I remember right. So I consider him more as a player than a disciple of a coaching tree. The other is a Cliff Kingsbury. People don't realize that he was like a third quarterback in 2003 when the Patriots won the Super Bowl the second time. So you want to c- count that under the disciple? I guess you could. But really, I, I really don't count Cliff Kingsbury under that, but Kingsbury, uh, who's coaching the Arizona Cardinals, you know, who look like Ryan Gosling, whatever. Um, yeah, I, other than those two, no head coach really worked out. Nick Saban, it didn't work out either. If it worked out so fucking great for Nick Saban in the NFL, he would still be there. But 
he had some respectable run, but he ended up back in college where he has more control and all that shit. So, yeah, there's a list that I can think of just right off my head. Three front office executives who became general managers. Uh, about eight or nine head coaches were in the NFL after left leaving Belichick. And then two former players who are still head coaches to this day. So what is the fucking problem? What is the fucking problem? There is only one Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick will go down as the greatest coach, not just a head coach, in the history of the gridiron football. This man, Bill Burr pointed this out, has defeated the John Elway and that Broncos defense in the 80s. This man figured out the Jim Kelly and then the Buffalo Bills in the early 90s. This man brought down the fucking the greatest offense on the turf for the St. Louis Rams and all the others that came along, including the L.A. Rams, you want to call the Falcons, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this guy was the real pillar in coaching when it comes to defense, adjustments, utter discipline over 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, now 2020s. Almost, yeah, five decades. It's unbelievable. And he, you know, from the political sense of things, I will say political, not meaning fucking MAGA, because I know he's MAGA, so is Tom Brady, but who cares? But politically, when it comes to wielding his executive power, you know, I know, like, he knows, like, who is really like, overly talented that could usurp him, whether it's as a competitor on another team or underling under him. What it tells you is that every single person that have like that completely flopped under his watch right now, I think Bill Belichick knew right away. I was like, well, they'll be good and great to an extent, but not as great or awesome as me. So that's how it went. If he had such great assistance, you would have the next Doug Peterson, you know, who was under Andy Reid. He would have his under like own Andy Reid, because Andy Reid was under. Paul Holmgren, you know, was also another great mindset from the fucking 90s back in the day. Paul Holmgren, fucking uh, Bill Parcells, you know. Uh, that's where it was. If if all of them are, like, think of all the great head coaches in the last few decades. Who, who, are, who are really left? Bill Cower, you know, maybe. I just go like, because Bill Belichick hires people that are really good. At the specific things that they can do at that time. But when you go out there and then try to expand their whatever. He knows they're going to fucking flop. That's what happened to all of them. To be completely honest. Like. Only one that survived longest so far. I would say is Thomas Dmitriov. On the Falcons. But even then he kind of got by with a shitty. NFC South division. With New Orleans. Panthers. And the fucking Buccaneers. But all of them, he knew that, like, none of these motherfuckers are great, great enough to have under, and then either usurp me if I struggle and get me questioned, or go over to the other side and other teams and fucking, you know, beat me over and over. He knows, like, this is an unbelievable genius politicking of Bill Belichick. And other people who go into other organizations... You know, especially the head coaches like Matt Patricia's of the world and fucking Bill O'Brien coming yelling and shit, flipping tables over like they're Bill Belichick and then 
give me respect, goddammit. I'm just like, I couldn't fucking handle it. I just go, that's why I hated Matt Patricia. And then the Bob Quinn. I'm not even a Lions fan, but I thought Jim Caldwell and Jim Bob Cooter. That's how he said his name. You know, after Megatron retired in 2016, you know, Jim Caldwell was a fit for this city. Jim Caldwell is not a bad coach. He was making progress with what he had. And they go 9-7, and seven, you know, and then Bob Quinn comes in because of Ford family did whatever and then just said, you know what, 9-7 and seven is not good enough. We're, we're here to build championship teams. Great speech, Bob, but fucking sakes, you really, comp- you, you, you went sideways trying to get your arrogance over, huh? So you hired Matt Patricia, cut everybody, trade Golden Tate and all that, and what'd you get? You got fucking peanuts. You got the defensive genius, but the defense is utter shit. What defensive prospect did they did they get on this team? Nobody. Dude, this defense is worse than what the fuck they had under Jim Schwartz. And then when they had Dominican Sue, Nick Fairley, and all those motherfuckers. Like, this dude, this what the fuck is this defense? You didn't draft shit. Only thing you drafted well is fucking Hawkinson, which is an automatic default pick a computer would have fucking picked. Like, it's unbelievable. Their arrogance, and it, it, it took Jim Caldwell the very last year went 9-7. and seven. How many years did it fucking take Matt Patricia to get fucking 9 wins? Three years. And you don't fire him after that, like, fucking no progression there? Give me a fucking break. And then you start practicing outside for no fucking reason. When seven games, seven weeks stretch, they were, like, scheduled to have an indoor games. Whether it's at the Ford Field or elsewhere. I mean, the amount of arrogance that these assistants are constantly throwing out there. Bill O'Brien, too. Like, who the fuck was he? And then he tried to, I mean, the power play that he tried to make. You know, he tried to get another fucking, some assistant in front office to be the general manager for the Texans. And he said, fuck it. Fuck the Andrew Hopkins and all this shit. And then give away all the picks for some fucking reason. Texans, like. And I just go, uh-huh, Texans are going to be fucking doormats. You know, I kind of rooted for Bill O'Brien a little bit because I, I I liked his approach. I liked his energy. But when he tried to pull the fucking power move, you know, kind of like the Chip Kelly tried to do at the Eagles. And Eagles are a fucking miracle. Oh, I, I, I cannot trash the Eagles right now. But I just go like, wait, Bill O'Brien was like yelling and shit. De facto general manager and all that. Like, can you be... Can you stop being so arrogant? Like your defense sucks. You're wasting J.J. Watt. You got rid of Jadavian Clowney. We got rid of DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. You finally got your quarterback. Great. You got the only weapon that you had left. That could, and then you're paying. You're taking on all these dumbass salaries that you could have used on DeAndre Hopkins. How stupid are you? You could have used that salary to get Jadavian Clowney. You didn't. How stupid are you? How, how arrogant are you? And rest of the NFL... Had this fucking problem too. Like Josh McDaniels. I remember him when he, like, before fucking John Fox came in. You know, it's draft T Bowl first round. You know, you know, I like Jay Cutler's not good enough. You know, I think I want to get Matt Castle. I, I, I just go, dude, you're not a fucking genius. Stop acting like it. And then he tried to have some Spygate look alike when the Denver Broncos went to the 40 in London. To face the 49ers. And so he's like, what the fuck are you doing? 
You're not the paid, you're not Bill Belichick. Stop acting like Bill Belichick minis. And players know this because this isn't college. So it's not kids. These are all full-grown adults. Fucking J.J. Watt argues with Bill O'Brien before Bill O'Brien got fired. Fucking Matt Patricia, I'm sure everybody else fucking yelled at a bitch at him enough. They go like, you're not Bill Belichick, shut the fuck up. And then Matt Patricia comes up and says, well, I think I coached the Super Bowl defense, so I know what I'm doing. I just go like, well, thank the daddy Bill for that, okay? But fucking sakes, all the arrogant motherfuckers. Charlie Weiss, long time ago, this happened. You know, when he joined the Notre Dame Irish and then like all that stuff, when it when that happened, Brady Quinn. Oh, he said, how great is it to have another Brady in your fucking offense? Well, where the fuck is Brady Quinn now? He's looking fucking looking pretty on a fucking Fox studio, huh? He didn't become a fucking legend. What the fuck happened to Notre Dame? Nothing, especially after after Brady Quinn left. And Brady Quinn didn't come with Charlie Weiss as an initial fucking whatever, the recruit. He only stayed because the fucking iron was hot on the fucking Patriots offense. Didn't benefit anybody one bit. Give me a fucking break. Oh, Jim Schwartz, another fake tough guy. Yes, Jim Schwartz is a bit of a stretch, but the first Lions, when they were making a turnaround and a comeback, I gotta say, Jim Schwartz was great until he started showing that he's a fake tough guy too. The reason that the Lions really never got over the hump in the early 2010s, you remember Dominican Sue just throwing out everybody, you know, just getting disciplined over and over. And then Nick Fairley coming in. I mean, it was a great defense. But at the same time, dude, these penalties are unacceptable. You can't, you can't, you can't rein in a fucking discipline. And Jim Schwartz, acting tough in front of Jim Harbaugh and shit. I remember that here in Detroit. I just go like, dude, Jim Schwartz is a fake tough guy. The players have no respect for him. That's what happened. Especially the defensive side of the ball. Coming from another defensive guy now I think about it. The arrogance is unbelievable. And then players are like, yo, fake tough guy, fake tough guy. That's why he got fired eventually. And then all that rest of the defense is gone. Who else? Who else? Bill O'Brien I talked about. Charlie Weiss I talked about. Uh, Matt Patricia I talked about. Fucking Jim Schwartz I talked about. Nick Saban, another one. I mean, he tried to be the... He looks like a fucking... I mean, college is a fit for him. But he is a Bill Belichick disciple. You know, he's a Bill Belichick of college. Dude, you can't do that shit in the NFL. <laughs> he tried two years and he was losing his shit. These are adults. He couldn't cut it. So he fucking went back to the college. When he said, I am not going to be a coach of Alabama. And then he fucking went back a day after. What an asshole. What a, what a fake tough guy. Huh? So that's another one. Nick Saban, I'm going to throw him under the bus for, at the professional level. Under. And who else is left? Jesus. Romeo Cornell? I don't know. The Romeo seems like he's just going around and then he's like, fuck, he sucked. <laughs> he sucked. And then he went to the Browns also. He sucked. Eric Mangini also went to the Browns. They sucked. Do you see a fucking pattern here? Especially for the Browns. Let's get another former fucking uh, Patriots disciple. They tried that twice. They tried that with Romeo Cornell and then fucking uh, Eric Mangini. Fucking flop twice. Unbelievable. I mean, I guess the Lions did that too in a degree, but then Jim Schwartz is a bit of a reach, you know, being a Belichick disciple. But I'll put him there because he's under that coaching tree. There's only one Bill Belichick. And every one of these motherfuckers try to act like they're the toughest motherfucker possible in the front office and on the sidelines. 
stop hiring somebody out of fucking Patriots. If you want to hire somebody from the Patriots, do what the Titans did. Do what the Cardinals did. Get a former player instead. So, is Tom Brady going to be a great head coach someday? Yeah, I think so. I think Tom Brady has an ego just as big. It's like Michael Jordan coming on the sideline and do that shit. So it will probably work out. Mike Vrabel, to his credit, he worked his way up. He was in Ohio State. I remember he was on the staff under Luke Fickle when uh, you know he wrote, he's an Ohio guy, right? And then he went back to the NFL and then doing all that stuff, which was great. And then I think he paid his dues. But he learned his way. A great linebacker through a great team, through great training and internships of the coaching lessons that he has gone through has worked out. So there's that. Hire a former Patriots player, but don't go for a tight end or some shit like ESPN did with Jason Witten for the Monday Night Football. Go for a quarterback or go for somebody who played long enough. So do you go get Adam Vinatieri? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Kicker as a head coach? That would be fucking interesting. But don't, don't stop trying to mimic the Patriots. I'll just say that. And then the stupid thing is people tried this for 20 years and it, it worked out nowhere. Only closest thing that I can think of is probably the Falcons winning it with Thomas Dimitrov. But ugh, fuck it, whatever, right? Otherwise, none of them fucking worked out. Give me one that worked out. So stop hiring Bill Belichick's assistants. And if you hire the Bill Belichick's assistants or any of the front office people, stop acting like you're one of them. Yes, discipline. Next man up mentality. Yes, great. But you're not Bill. So stop acting like it. You lose respect super fast. Because people know that like, okay, you're a fake tough guy. Mike Rabel is not a tough guy. If you watch him, he was on the, he played the fucking game. That's why he's such a great coach. Cliff Kingsbury is a young dude. He still, he could still be a fucking third quarterback in the fucking CFL somewhere. So these two people are not arrogant people. Unlike the rest of these motherfucking failures that we had the last 18 years. So stop being arrogant. I'm glad the Lions fired him. Because I couldn't handle it, and I'm not even a fan. I'm not even remotely close. I could smell it fucking 30 miles away just reading stories. I just go, you're not the Patriots. Stop acting like it. Stop trying to mimic it. Okay? So anyways, that's it. That's my rant against all these former, all these Patriots fucking monkey see, monkey do people. These people are so fucking stupid. So anyways, thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for putting up with me for the last 16 minutes on this. And then uh, if you have any comments on The Bachelor or Bachelor, I would love to hear back from you because, uh, yeah, this is a weekly thing now. I'm going to give my fucking review of the episode until the end of this. Am I going to do that with a bachelor when it resumes in j- January? Ah, let's see. I might. I might. Who knows? So, uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Email me at a-o at outlook.com. A-o at outlook.com is the email. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Instagram. I don't do any of that shit. So, Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about this. If they, you know, I would love to hear from your friends and buddies, you know, what they think of the Bachelor, Bachelorette, or even the NFL. My, my fucking take. Am I, am I being too general? Am I being too fucking broad? You know, but let me know. All right. Peace out. Have a great rest of the week. And uh, see you next week. Bye-bye.